0: So, no joke, this is how this evening's dvar developed. I'm sitting with a little person this morning, reading a book called, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. And it begins like this. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh-oh, a river. A deep, cold river. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh no. We've got to go through it. It doesn't change much. It's uh, just <laughs> the next one is mud and then there's there's a snowstorm and right, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. Oh no, we've got to go through it. (laughs) Every Shavuot, every year, the Parsha that immediately follows Shavuot is Parshat Naso, The longest Parsha in the Torah, it's filled with all kinds of amazing narratives and interesting things. Chapter 6 of the Book of Numbers in this week's Parsha begins speak to the children of Israel and say to them, "Ish o isha ki yifalei, ki lindor neder nazir la If someone, man or woman, explicitly utters a Nazarite's vow, becoming a Nazarite, a Nazarite is marked by a number of interesting things. They too become long-haired, like my little friend. But most importantly, most significantly, and maybe most famously, they they vowed to abstain from wine, and actually all things having to do with grapes, not just wine. Grape juice, raisins, skins of the grape. And this led the rabbis in the Midrash to ask, what could possibly have been the connection that led the Torah to include the Nazarite immediately following the episode that we will not go into now, but called the adulterous woman, the sotah. And the rabbis say that this one, this Nazir, who saw what happened to someone who drank wine, made a vow that they would not partake of that substance. Now, within the tradition, that vow, is seen ambivalently, meaning it is seen both in a good light and in a not-so-good light. And here we're going to explore, at least this evening, the not-so-good light. Later on in the Nazarite's story, the Torah dictates that a Nazarite must bring a sin offering at the end of the period of time of abstinence. The Torah dictates that they bring a korban chatat, bring a sin offering to the temple, which of course led the rabbis to ask, What sin could someone who had vowed to a higher level of quote-unquote holiness or spirituality, what sin could they have committed? And say the rabbis in the Gemara and then in the Midrash, Al Shum for the reason is that this person has said, there are parts of the world that God has made permissible, that I will make prohibited. And That is the sin. That the Nazarite in the reading of the rabbis is someone who is compartmentalizing their spiritual life. The rabbis in this vein of thought see the Nazarite as an ab reaction to something that shows up. The Nazarite's vow is seen as an unhealthy, a distorted reaction, distorted posture to take vis-a-vis the world, and that that posture is considered to be sinful, missing the mark, erroneous, mistaken. In one way, you could say that the Nazarite has committed the most primal of all sins. The Nazarite has made a boundary to the sacred. And indeed, our tradition says there is no boundary to the sacred. The Nazirite, the Nazir, in his response to wine, says, there is some place that I will not go. There are some things that I won't touch. There are some activities that are by their nature dangerous. And I have to be really careful. You don't have to look far for examples of this. In fact, last week, 40,000 fellow tribesmen, and I say tribesmen, filled city field here in New York to protest the infiltration of the internet and its dangerous should we say, um, seductive power, 40,000 people filling a stadium to protest the Internet. Of course, if one read the article, it's not the least bit ironic, of course, that the, everyone got there by using their cell phones, and, and the reporter on the New York Times, on the, on the train, Saw a group of Hasidim, Satmer Hasidim, that uh, were explaining based upon their their phone how to get there and so on. <laughs> of course, it's not the least bit ironic that they used a Jumbotron in which to, and to bring people in from Israel along the internet. Okay. <laughs> but suffice it to say that this compartmentalizing, this splitting off, happens on a pretty widespread level. And lest we think that it's only in in these big forms, it happens internally. This past Tuesday, I came back from an incredible retreat with my family. We had been up at Shavuot at Isabella Friedman. And I felt very much like the story of Shimon bar Yochai, the great sage who, in the Talmudic story that is recorded in Tractate Shabbat 33a, is in the cave with his son Elazar running away from the Romans, and after a year of miraculous living, where a, a rivulet of water, a, a stream, miraculously appears to, to quench their thirst, and a tree of caribs, a carib tree is also there, and their clothing, right doesn't uh, in any way uh, isn't ruined in any way. After a year of such living spiritually off of the Schneid, sort of the divine Schneid, they leave the cave, and everywhere they look. The rabbis say, everywhere they put their eyes, they burned. They saw people, you know, tilling the field, and they thought, wow, what a waste of time, tilling the field, you should be sitting and learning Torah. And they went and they saw the things, and you should be sitting and learning Torah, you should be devoted spiritually. And everywhere they put their eyes, they burned. And I felt like that a little bit. I said, wow, I'm back in New York. And everywhere I looked, I was burning. I was judging. I was upset, there was an edge And I came back, I came back, and I came back to this. Where do we draw the lines to the sacred? Where will we draw the lines? And what will our friends, I should say, invite us to in those moments? I want to read to you a quote from the great Zen teacher who also was a Catholic priest, Carl Fried von Durkheim. The person who, being really on the way, when they fall upon difficult times in the world, will not as a consequence turn to a friend who offers refuge and comfort and encourages the old self to survive. Rather, she will seek out someone who will faithfully and inexorably help him, her, to risk herself, so that she may endure the difficulty and pass courageously through it. So that she may endure the difficulty and pass courageously through it. Only to the extent that a person exposes herself over and over again to annihilation can that which is indestructible be found within them. In this daring lies dignity and the spirit of true awakening. Only when we expose ourselves over and over again to that which we feel will destroy us can that which within us is indestructible be revealed. The Nazir makes the mistake of trying to go around life. He should learn a little bit from my little friend with the long hair. He should learn that we can't go under it, we can't go over it. Oh no, we have to go through it.